Welcome to We Are Meaningful, a podcast where we transform the anonymous experiences of black and brown talent into powerful audio narratives. Each month, we center the dialogue around a common theme, providing you, our listeners, with the tools and resources you need to help navigate, grow, and thrive in corporate spaces. Our stories, experiences, and our voices are meaningful. We are meaningful. Hi, everyone. This is Crystal. And this is Krista. And welcome to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. So as you could probably tell, this episode is totally different. We are normally not on video, but our friends from the Bold Black Girls podcast have done it to us. They pulled us out of the darkness (laughs) and now we are on video. So before we jump into hearing the narrative and jumping into the conversation about Assimilate, please, we want to give our friends Kim and Aries an opportunity to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about the Bold Black Girls podcast. Absolutely. So I'm Kim and I am actually a transplant of Dallas, originally from Chicago, I am a strategic program manager um, for a tech company, and in my free time, I like smoothie bowls, snacks, and naps, and um, <laughs> and um, I guess my extracurricular is exercising, so outside of the podcast. Love and, it. And I'm Aries Webb-Williams. Um, my day job is I'm a software portfolio advisor for a company called Software One. And dang, you had a whole little thing. Uh, I'm a mom of two boys. That is my other full-time job. I'm officially a homeschooling mom this year. And um, what was the other stuff we were supposed to say? Um, You like baths? Baths, books. And bed. And bed. Right. And I forgot I am a mom, too. You forgot that. God, I was I a mom. <laughs> Amongst all the other things, I'm a yes. mama too. And so, <laughs> right, exactly. So that's one of the things that led us to doing this. Uh, we're mothers and we're professionals. And so the Bold Black Girls podcast was launched in August of two, 2019. So we just had our we one-year one anniversary. Yeah. And it's hosted by us, four black women and those that support the equity, inclusion, and an advancement of black women. And Aries, would you like to share with them what BOLD stands for? So basically where I got the BOLD from, it was a play on words, but it came from a speech um, from Martin Luther King about building, organizing, and really like we just took a couple of those, you know, uh, letters of that and said we want to build, you know, uh, communities for for us to have these kind of safe conversations and courageous conversations organizing um, we used to our our thing had been like events and you know spaces for for this type of dialogue um, but we the l in it was like learning and developing learning and leading and the d Love is it. development so we are really big on personal development and so really what we're using the podcast for is a place where we can share things that we do individually like we're no experts we didn't go to school for anything we're just two black women who are sharing our life experiences and um, we found that a lot of other women needed a place to to hear these things as well as share theirs as well so that's what we use the podcast for I love that so much and it's so interesting that our missions are so aligned yes. um 
And we just we've expanded out to say that we want to focus on black women, on Latinx women and indigenous women, because we know that we are three of the most marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. So we also want to create safe spaces and spaces where women are able to get the resources and tools they need to navigate predominantly white spaces. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we we were we we're right on board with that. When we saw your stuff, you know, we got connected with you through um, the virtual connection, Tiffany. Yes. And um, but we were connected on LinkedIn before this. I, I had to go back and look. I'm like, she looked familiar. Wait, we were already connected. So I was like, we already connected. You actually know where we met each other? Do you remember? No, I do. Where? Yes, at the yes. live podcast. At, at the live podcast. Yes. With Pods and PR. Okay, that's what you it drove. Was. No, she you drove, told me she drove all the way from Austin because we were here in Dallas. I and I was like, "You drove from Austin?" She was like, "I did." So you made a I day did. trip out of it, right? I sure did. I remember it was now. a lonely drive, but and, it was good, and I would never forget that. I was like, "I cannot believe she drove all the way from Austin." She told me that. Did you have like a a, a skirt? African skirt yes. that was pretty? I did. <laughs> I'm horrible. I, I have to have things to connect me well, with somebody. Well, we kind of balance each other because sometimes I forget things, but I did not forget that African dress and the fact that you drove from Austin. Thank you. So we're so excited, as we mentioned before, to have you. So let's roll the narrative. I was so happy to get a position at this huge company, knowing that leadership spoke openly about their inclusive culture, where associates, not employees, can be themselves, learn, and grow. There was a glossy pitch, advertisements, commercials, and videos that captured the mission and vision I eagerly wanted to join. So when I started, I was puzzled. I can't put my finger on it. It might've been the templated responses both verbal and written, or the nonchalant surrendering of breaks, sick and vacation time for the sake of productivity, or maybe it was the subtle uniform dress code. But it was obvious that once the time card was stamped, we were no longer Keisha, Jason, or Lisa. We were just numbers. Our individuality was slowly and deliberately being stripped away for the sake of sameness. When discussions around hot news topics started to surface like hashtag Black Lives Matter, immigration reform, workplace discrimination, there was an extreme lack of sympathy. And I would hear versions of, you're not like them. You're not like most dot, dot, dot. You're different. But am I? There lacked a connection to identity, especially race and ethnicity. Often with statements like, I don't see color. You can be blue, green, or purple. All I see is a person. But you do see it. And now I want you to acknowledge it so you can respect my experiences and appreciate me as a whole person. Once a customer said, oh, I can't stand talking to black people. Instead of their associate acknowledging the outburst, they told me, don't mind them, they're ignorant. As if ignoring it would remedy the issue. 
the comments and microaggressions were frequent, without recourse, and eventually took their toll. I didn't feel supported, accepted, secure, happy. My resentment turned to fear, where I would dread what awaits me following the weekend. I hate Mondays hit different. I no longer felt like compromising my health and extending mental and physical energy for this company. I had to take matters into my own hands. And that meant going to a therapist to cope with the toxicity until I found a better place to land. One that didn't perpetuate a colorless workhorse environment, but this utopia that welcomed and celebrated my identity. A day when all of the colors in the crown box were appreciated for the picture they create. Because at the end of the day, I cannot take my fucking skin color off. I cannot mask this shit, okay? Everywhere I fucking go, I'm profiled whether I like it or not. Like, I'm looked at whether I like it or not. This shit, I can't take this shit off. So guess what? I'm going to die about it. Yeah, I'm going to die about my fucking skin. So Kim and Aries, now that you've had the opportunity to hear the narrative, what were your initial thoughts and reactions? You want to go first? <laughs> I'll go first. Well, or you want to go? I'll go first. Okay. Um, when I first heard it, it was, it. I thought back to my experience in the professional industry, and we all know that for me, for a black woman, racism exists, right, in the professional realm of things, and it's not a matter of if it's going to happen; it's a matter of when it's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, just being prepared for that, um, I could so relate, and I'm in. I've transitioned to a new job, and so I haven't yet experienced it. But I'm still on edge. Like, well, when am I going to experience it? But I shouldn't mm-hmm. be feeling that way. But from my yeah. 20 years of experience of, um, of that, I think I have trauma. That is real trauma. So, Aries, what about you? Yeah, I connected with. All of that, like from the guy, you know, when he was talking about how you start slowly losing yourself over time, because I think you see that like what is considered professionalism is when it comes to black culture, I think it's a lot different than how we function on a regular basis. So, for instance, as a woman, I'm the head of my household. I pretty much run things, you know, on a regular basis, regardless of what my title may be. Right. Right. So when I come somewhere and someone is um, expecting me to behave a certain way, that's against my normal um, way of, I have a natural leadership ability. So I'm going to come into a room. Like if I see that people are not doing things, you know, I'm like, so what are we doing? Like, like, let's get this thing going. And that could rub people the wrong way. And you start noticing you're getting left out of certain things um, and treated differently based on it. And so what it did for me was I started developing an imposter syndrome. Like, do I not know what I'm doing? Like they got me questioning my abilities and skills and things like that because I was getting kind of isolated out of 
things. And this started happening in multiple jobs. So I knew it wasn't just this place, right? It was a, it was happening in multiple companies. And so I'm like, I took it personal. I'm thinking it's me, (laughs) you know? And um, so, like I said, the imposter syndrome thing comes in, but over time when I realized that um, this was not just me, it was more people that were dealing with this all over the world. Um, it wasn't just Aries issue. It was a black woman issue, a woman of color issue, you know, something that was happening all the time where people say they want diversity, but really you want to bring a lot of different people in, but you want to have them all be just like you instead of celebrating their differences and incorporating learning from those differences to improve the company. Right. That's what it's supposed to be. So I think um, like the company I'm at now, like I, I learned my lesson over time where I've taken that burden of saying, I want to be free. So I'm going to be myself. And if they don't like me, they can lay me off. And I've been laid off about three times. So <laughs> I'm okay with it. Wow. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not compromising that anymore. I've done it. For sure. Don't ever compromise. We never should. There's something that you said that really stood out to me when you talked about, well, the first thing is they want people who look different, not necessarily people who act different. Yes. And when you think about leadership in general, if a white man is showing leadership skills, oh, that's positive. It's a great thing. He is a natural born leader. He's being assertive, da, da, da. But if a woman, especially a woman of color, so a black woman, Latinx woman, uh, indigenous woman comes in to do those same things, it all of a sudden becomes a negative behavior versus a positive behavior. So it is so interesting how all of these layers and intersections of identity really impact the way that we experience these corporate spaces. And it depends on what they brought you in for. Cause I've been brought into companies because they wanted that. They wanted the black mama, right? They wanted me to come in and whip somebody into shape because of the personality I have. They're like, Oh, you can handle him. He's, he need that kind of person. But then when I start handling it, you don't really want that. Exactly. <laughs> like you mm-hmm. thought you wanted that, yeah. but you don't really want it because it's going to, it's going to require change. It's going to require everyone to change, not just that person, because it's more of a culture that was created. And in order to fix it, you got to fix the culture, but you don't really want to fix the culture. So then it's like, you know what? You're now a problem. We're going to have to let you go. And it's like, okay. I had a similar experience, you know, and, um, my boss had said, well, you can handle it. And when I handled it, he was like, oh, you went beyond the boundaries. And I was like, you just told me to handle it. So I took care of it. Mm -hmm. And it was because I was a black woman. Right, right. And I I think it's so interesting how our identity always plays a role in how it's being defined, right? Because if we were white men, it would just be, this is great. She's challenging the status quo. We love it. She's being innovative and pioneering. Um, But it often becomes something where we're being confrontational and we're being aggressive and we're being um, like unprofessional, Right. And it's so interesting that they use these different words because companies initially crave our talent because of differences and diverse perspectives. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Really toting the line of or towing the line of tokenism. Um, But once we're in the company, we're asked to surrender our individuality and assimilate. How does that work? 
How is it that we're brought into the company because of these differences and diversity and the way we might look on a page? And then when we start to actually implement those experiences that we have from our backgrounds, um, we're asked to take a beat and assimilate. Because I don't think they really, they're doing it because they kind of have to at certain points where the pressure is on. Like right now, the pressure is on. We They are reevaluating everything. We need to bring some more black people specifically in. And they're like, cool. But they want a certain type of black person. They want you to be the black person that's going to follow their way of doing things. Like even the term like culture fit is really becoming a negative term because, um, you know, you don't fit into our culture could be a way to discriminate, right? So it's just a lot of things. I think, you know, I don't know who really wants diversity. Um, there are certain places that you can tell they're really trying to create that type of environment. And it's very telling. You can see by all the things that they're doing to try to uh, celebrate that. I use the example of like with um, Indian culture, when we have a lot of people in the tech industry, which is where we both are in tech, you're going to see a lot of Indians and what you'll see is culturally at a certain time of the day, they eat lunch together as a group in a little, you know, like they usually eat together and they have a certain type of cuisine that they eat. They bring it in. It's celebrated. It's like, Oh wow, this is interesting. Everyone is cool with that. But it's funny because when there's like four or five black people in the break room together, we'll be like, let's get out of here before they start, you know what I'm saying? We we plotting, you know, and it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same celebration of our culture to where you want to learn about our culture and say, hey, what like when I talk about what did you do this weekend? And I'm like, did you see Insecure this weekend? You know, that's something that's Mm -hmm. specific to our culture. And so. I don't know. I think that's that's the part that I that I'm looking at mostly. And you brought up a good point about the like the in the break room. And and if they see you congregating, I've even had people say, are you staying out of trouble? Like, why did you assume that I'm doing some trouble? Like, why was that negative connotation? And I actually had to pull the gentleman to the side and told him that that was inappropriate. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't like that. He's like, well, I was just joking. I said, well, don't play with me. So, um, let me show you about a black woman. Hey, right? <laughs> don't play with me. Like that. Am I am I staying Wait. out of trouble? And, I, and I'm and I get it. They're probably trying to make conversation, but there are other things that you can say to me outside of something negative. Yeah, for sure. Y'all saw that video on Instagram recently when he's like, "Try Jesus, but don't try me." Yes. Toby Nwigwe. Yes. Toby Nwigwe. I love him. Yes. He's like, try him. Don't try me. Yes, exactly. Because I fight. (laughs) It's on my playlist. It's on my playlist. Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. I was actually just staring at the screen like, wow, this is amazing. But Kim, I love what you just said about how you approach the situation when the person said something to you that was negative. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through that situation and how you approached it. Cause I know that there are plenty of people who are listening who experience these same types of conversations or situations and they want to have a conversation, but they may either be surprised or they may not know what to say. Absolutely. So as you know, we already have that angry black woman connotation. So when he said it, I had to self-assess myself. Like, am I, am I overreacting? And I had to go and talk to someone about it. I don't even know if I might have called you. you have, yeah. And it it really bothered me to the fact that I was like, every time he sees me, he said, he's saying, 
are, are you staying out of trouble? I'm like, I am not any any trouble. So one day I went to his desk. I was like, hey, can we go for a walk? <laughs> I said, you want to go downstairs and get some coffee? And I looked because I didn't want it in writing. And if I needed to deny it, <laughs> depending on what I said, you know, I didn't want any um, paper trail. Exactly. So we went any for witnesses. a walk. And I, and, I, and I just asked him, I said, hey, why do you uh, always say am I staying out of trouble? Oh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just trying to make conversation. I said, well, that's not necessarily the way that you need to start a conversation off with me. I said, that comes across as negative. So I really had to educate him. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes they don't know. So, you know, I know they have to say, oh, we give them the benefit of the doubt. I feel like we give them so much grace. But you do have to teach people how to treat you. And if, if something bothers you, don't fester on it. Bring it to them immediately so that they know and so that they they stop. So you can be professional about it. Mm-hmm. I did not go hound him and sit on his desk. We both walked away from both of our desks, and I just had a general conversation to let him know. That's not yeah, that. and I think a lot of the time when you're in that space, people don't always actually most of the time majority groups don't acknowledge how much of yourself you're already feeling like you have to compromise walking into that space. Right. So when they're making little jokes like that, they don't recognize I already had to come in here half of myself today. Right. So when you're saying things like that, it's making me think, Hmm, I'm not doing a good enough job or crap. I need to be watching my back better or the way I'm saying things because you're insinuating already that I'm some kind of trouble or I'm going to be doing something. And it's so interesting because actually when I've started at a few companies, white professionalism is really based in like jokes and like poking at people in a weird passive aggressive way that especially as women of color, we feel is threatening our job security because so often those things are actually used against us at the end of our time at a company. I agree. Mm -hmm. I have an example of this where I didn't say anything because the person who was making the joke was my boss's boss, right? And I was young. I was at this place. You know, I'm trying to, but I was super offended. I didn't say anything like he made. I don't even remember exactly what the joke was, but at the time I'm sitting there like, did he really just say that? Like, I'm the only black person in this, you know, right in your face and you're making this joke. I kind of just didn't respond. And I hated myself afterward for not saying anything. And I was like, I should have said something. I should have said something. Like, it ate me up. So now, even if it's not me, <laughs> and she knows how I am. I'm an Aries. I don't like bullies. I will stand up for somebody. I don't care who you are. We can be in a grocery store. I don't care. I've stood up for Target employees before. But um, there was an incident where I hosted a... Um, I had a speaker. Remember this? Yes. And it was a black woman speaker at an event and a woman an Indian woman came up to her after the talk first of all this woman killed it okay like she was one of the best ones that we I had ever had I mean she had her stuff together I would have been like flawless like this is a flawless you know workshop right and she walked up to this lady this one you know that you're about to say something inappropriate when you pull she pulled her to the side and said um you you know you said axe instead of ask when you were talking 
And then she said something about how she was dressed. She's, it was a couple of things, right? And so I didn't know the details. So I'm going along, you know, and later the the lady told me what was said. Well, she told me that the lady said some inappropriate things, but she didn't tell me exactly what it was. So I I was hot. Like I was She's very, very, hot. very upset. I, I let some time go by, a couple of weeks, and I invited the lady to lunch. And um, because we worked together in a professional setting where she kind of had some clout. So it's like, I didn't want to, I'm like, I got to be strategic with how I have this conversation with her, but I'm going to let her know, don't ever do that again in your life. So um, I sat there and I just asked, I said, so tell me about what you, what you spoke to her about so that she could tell me what she said. As soon as I Mm -hmm. said that she was stuttering, like she knew that, It was going to be, you know, you knew you said something out of pocket. So she told me about the axe thing. And I got more mad because I didn't know that part. And I'm like, how dare you? You know, but I told her, I said, you know, I I educated her about black women. I'm like, first of all, you need to I ask her, I'm like, is this something you typically do to other speakers? Do you offer your opinion about the way they speak and about these things to other people? Or was this your first time? Like, because I want to know, I'm going to isolate this down to, is this specific to a black woman or are you doing this to everybody? Because then I just need to tell you, your opinion is not always necessary Welcome. if it's not requested. Because there's something that says that you feel like you need to just say something. Why? That could be between you and your friend in the car. You don't have to tell somebody about how they speak. And you have an accent. So I had to kind of relate it to her purse. I said, do you get offended? Like when someone tries to, they can't understand your accent. Like, how are you saying, you knew what she was trying to say. You knew what she was saying. That's a part of her speech. Why do you think that that's, so like literally, like Kim said, you have to educate people because it's like I had to pull these layers off so she could relate to what I'm saying. Like, stop doing that. Like, don't, you know, we get criticized so much for everything. Even when you're flawless, somebody finds something. Something. You know, trying to find something. And it's like, no, that's not cool. You know, so I'm very big on standing up to that kind of stuff because you will become, feel like you got to just keep changing and changing and changing. And now who are you? Like he said in the narrative, it's like, you're like, you just become lost in this like sea of everybody else instead of bringing your individualism, which is what you bring to the table, your value, your all, you know, all these things about you, which is your uniqueness that makes you special. You're trying to erase that. That's not cool to me. So. Yeah. I, whew. That's a lot. Acts instead of ass. Girl, Girl when, I, when I heard that, I was mind like, your business. I'm ready to fight. <laughs> mind your business, friend. Um, One thing that I think both of you two brought up is that you don't have to address it in the moment. And I think we often feel like if someone does something, I need to say something to you right then. Correct. But that's not always the case. And sometimes you have to give yourself grace and yourself the ability to like reflect, take it in, make a decision about how you want to approach it. Aries, as you mentioned, being very strategic about you have how about how you have the conversation, where you have the conversation, because both of you took it off site. Yes. <laughs> Aries, you went to lunch. Kim, you went on a walk. Yes. No witnesses. No exactly. <laughs> when you and I. Right. Because we can't <laughs> let's react. have this conversation. Correct. It takes yes. emotional intelligence. You it have really to know does. when mm-hmm. to you gotta know when to hold them and when to fold them, right? You gotta know when 
you're being emotional because I know how to recognize, okay, I'm pissed. I'm ready to fight her right now. <laughs> like, right. you know, your, your animal instinct is in there, right? But I'm like, and I knew that if I talked to her right when I heard everything, I would be saying, I would be, it would, it would get misconstrued as being emotional. And I wanted it to be a very specific type of conversation where that behavior stops. So I don't want the emotion can kind of like remember the Snoop Dogg, um, Gail King incident. I know this is so <laughs> off, but I feel like he was reacting out of emotion. You know, your emotion is going to go all over the place when you're really trying to get a point across. Now the point is lost. Right. So that's kind of and that's kind of where I think we've learned as black women that the angry black woman thing has come from. You know, you getting this reaction the way that it should be given to you, really, you know, because, you know, you mm -hmm. deserve it based on how you're treating me. But now we're just getting a little bit more savvy with how we're going to do it so that we can get our point across and then not come off like, oh, you just being, you know. Yeah, and I like to always respond in eloquence with a little sass. So um, I can be sarcastic and I know how to flip it. Unfortunately, I might be a little passive aggressive sometimes, but sometimes I give them a taste of what they're giving me because sometimes <laughs> you need to know. I've had to do that. I know I went to a, a co-worker's desk and I wrote her a note. I was like, hey, Kim was here. One of her colleagues that I know was like, are you stealing? And I was like, I know. You'd never do that to a black person. And she said it so loud. I had to walk away. I couldn't react because if I had reacted, it would not have been good. And that's when I learned about what macroaggressions were. What macroaggressions are. I was like, this lady's, I'm like, stealing what? Off of a cubicle? And why are you? But she was joking. It's not funny. Don't play with me. At all. <laughs> Don't get me started on these stupid mm, jokes. <laughs> Like these jokes that aren't funny, only you laugh at them. Yes. All they do is like play into stereotypes and make me feel like, what have I done? Mm -hmm. So I literally had to walk away from that one and I never addressed that one. You, it's some battles you, you just have to let go. And that was one I was not willing to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening or watching, <laughs> We're actually going to have a part two to this conversation. So we are actually going to leave this yeah. where oh. it's at right now. So we talked about microaggressions. We talked about how to approach people when they are talking to you sideways, that they need to try Jesus, but don't <laughs> try me because I fight. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't fight. No, I, uh, <laughs> I fight with my mouth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But we are excited to welcome you two from the Bold Black Girls podcast to bring your own snacks this month at the end of the month. And we are going to continue this conversation about the narrative. Assimilate, please. And I can't wait. Can you I can't either because one, I like snacks and I like being sassy. Yes. Snacks. Strategically sassy though, because I want to say one of the things is we both had each other. So I would text her if I'm going through something, even with that whole situation with the lady, I was like, take a break. Let's think about this. So you need people outlets. Yes. That's why this yes. is so important for us all to collaborate. You know, we can talk about some things, give each other tips. And so I'm looking forward to the snacks. Too. That's going to be fun. Yes. But wait, before we go, Eat a snack or be a snack? 
Don't you got a shirt? That's I do, that. and I almost wore that shirt. So I'm gonna. Can I, I want to be a snack. Wear it. I want to be both. <laughs> She's like, can I be I'm a snack and, have and a snack? I'm cute. I want to be both. both. You can do both. You can do both. It works. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Are Meaningful podcast. Follow us on Instagram at wearemeaningful.co and visit our website to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. We're excited to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Talk to you next week.